The Old Testament reading is from Zechariah, the ninth chapter. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Philippians, the second chapter. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, Being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise out of respect for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 27th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus stood before the governor... And the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate said to Jesus, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For Pilate knew it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with this righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, 
let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. And then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped Jesus and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before Jesus, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him. And they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man named a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. And they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to Jesus to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe. And they said, truly, truly, this was the Son of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message, this Palm Sunday, is from Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28, and it is Luke's version of the Palm Sunday uh, happenings. We read, 
After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as Jesus had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus and threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes on to Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come when you, when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, and they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls, and they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, our humble King, dear fellow worshipers of Him. On October the 26th, 1992, the streets of Toronto were jammed with almost half a million people. The occasion? The Toronto Blue Jays had defeated the Atlanta Braves to win the Major League World Series. And a parade was being held to celebrate their victory. Well, being a Jays fan, I watched the parade and the celebration at the Sky Dome from my home. And what I saw was that the local heroes were seated in sporty convertibles. The players delivered one tomahawk chop after another to the delight of the fans. The parade weaved itself through the city streets of Toronto as fans swarmed the cars in order to high-five their, their heroes. Local politicians made sure that they were at that, at that joyous event, the biggest event in Toronto since 1967, when the Maple Leafs last won the Stanley Cup. But we won't talk about that this morning. When the players arrived at the Sky Dome, they were greeted by 50,000 delirious fans, many of whom had waited for them to arrive from the wee hours of the morning. The World Series trophy was unveiled The World Series banner was let down from the rafters. What a parade. What a celebration. What a different parade we have in the gospel reading that I just read to you. Jesus wasn't mounted in a sporty convertible, but seated on an untamed colt. Jesus didn't deliver a victory victory tomahawk chop, but he humbly and even weeping entered into Jerusalem. The streets of Jerusalem were not jammed with millions of people, but populated by a 
modest-sized crowd of people from various backgrounds. Jesus' companions were not dignitaries, but poor Galileans. Jesus was not riding into a receptive reception, but he was entering into a hostile environment. There was no premier or governor or mayor awaiting his arrival, unless you count Pontius Pilate, who delivered upon Jesus the sentence of death. There was no trophy on display, unless you count the blood-stained cross of Calvary, a trophy. There was no banner to be unfurled or erected in Jesus' honor, unless you count the words that were carved out on that piece of wood that was placed above the head of Christ on the cross that said, this is the King of the Jews. In fact, this was a parade that not a lot of people were really wanting to join. As the crowd, or as the parade, marched closer and closer to the day of Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus' followers slowly kind of drifted away until finally there was only a handful of loyal followers of Christ, mostly women, who huddled around the, the cross of Christ. And it appeared as though Jesus' parade had come to a tragic conclusion. But no, no. Jesus' resurrection on Easter morning meant that the parade would continue. That would continue to our day and even into eternity. And this morning, this morning, and really every day, Jesus invites us to participate in his parade. How exciting is that? Sadly and tragically, for some people, Jesus' parade was a parade of condemnation. Some killjoys in the crowd that day did not want to participate in it at all. We're told that the Pharisees shouted at Jesus, saying, Rebuke your disciples. Tell them to be quiet. They shouldn't be shouting out that you are the king. That's a lie. That's false. That's phony. The Pharisees were appalled. They were offended that Jesus allowed his disciples and all these other people to honor him as a king and as the Messiah. The Pharisees refused to believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for their unbelief, for their unwillingness to join Jesus in his parade, sadly, they were condemned. Jesus later spoke these words of judgment on those who rejected him. He said, Everyone who falls on that stone, that's Jesus, will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. The Pharisees weren't the only ones who refused to join Jesus in his parade. Much of the Jewish nation refused to believe in him and honor him as the promised Savior of the world. You know, there are only two occasions in the Gospels where we read that Jesus wept. One was when Lazarus, his friend, died. And the other one is here in this text where we're told that as Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem, he wept. It says, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus grieved. He grieved for the citizens of Israel because they refused to join him in his parade. And in so doing, they also placed themselves under God's condemnation. 
And Jesus looks ahead to a time where the people of Israel will be overwhelmed by a foreign power. And they will be looted and uprooted and devastated as a sign of God's condemnation upon them. Jesus continues to weep. He continues to weep for people who refuse to join him in his parade. Jesus pleads with sideline spectators, please come, please come and worship me, believe in me. To the killjoys, he says, confess your need for a Savior. Worship me as Lord. Follow me as a disciple. Many spectators did join Jesus' parade. And as they joined his parade, they found his parade was a parade of confession. In John's Gospel, we're told that the children and women and men sang, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As I told the kids, Hosanna means save us, save now. Lord, save us. The people, as they cried out Hosanna, were calling upon Jesus to to save them, to deliver them from the Roman occupation, to restore the nation of Israel to its former glory, to rescue them from the curse of sin. Many people on that day believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah, and the crowds confessed, Blessed is the King, the King of Israel. This morning... Our Savior invites us to join this parade of confession. Do we hear our Lord summoning us? Summoning us to admit our unworthiness to be loved by God and yet loved by God? Do we heed our King's decree to repent of our rebellious nature, our attitudes and actions, and to submit ourselves to His reign of grace in our lives? Do we respond to the Good Shepherd's voice, trusting that He's the only one who can and has laid down His life for us and who protects us and guards us from the enemies who would deceive and destroy us? We're invited. Jesus invites us to to confess that He is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is the ruler over everything and everyone. He rules over you. He rules over me. He rules over all the governments of this world. He rules over all the creatures in heaven and on earth. He is the Lord. St. Paul affirms Jesus' all-encompassing reign when he writes, God exalted Christ to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Jesus invites us to participate in His parade. Not only because it's a parade of confession, but because it's a parade of celebration. The parade, we're told in our text, was a celebration of Jesus' miracles. Verse 37 says, The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice, for the miracles that they had seen. They had seen lepers cleansed. They had seen a blind man 
able to see again. They had seen a dead man raised to life. An electric current surged through the crowds in anticipation of who Jesus might be and what spectacular miracle he might do next. And so it was a parade of celebration. It was a celebration of anticipated peace. Peace with God and peaceful living. They said, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's what they shouted. Does that remind you of anything? Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Takes us back, doesn't it, to when Jesus was born and the angels appeared to the shepherds while they were watching over their flocks by night. And they sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Yes, the Prince of Peace left his heavenly throne so that he could restore peace between God and us. Jesus was a Savior on a peace mission as he rode in Jerusalem. And he was riding into Jerusalem to do battle, battle against Satan. He was going into Jerusalem to suffer and to die and to be rejected by his Father as he endured the wrath of God for the sin of us all. Now the crowd that day may not have really understood fully the significance of their words. For even John notes that first his disciples did not understand all of this. It was only after Jesus was glorified that they realized. But, but they were celebrating. They were recognizing that Jesus might be that Messiah, that he is that Messiah who would bring peace to, to their relationship with God. And for sure, for sure, they were celebrating within that next week. They were remembering that Jesus had died on the cross for them, but they were really celebrating his resurrection from the dead. This morning, Jesus invites us to participate, to join his parade of celebration. Yes, it's a commemoration of his crucifixion on Good Friday, but it's also a festivity of his resurrection from the dead. It's also a celebration of the miracles that Jesus continues to to work in our lives today. I mean, Jesus continues to open up the eyes of the blind. He continues to cleanse people of their sin. He continues to cause people to be born again through the waters of holy baptism. He continues to come to us in the bread and the wine and assuring us that we're receiving the very body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. He continues to make enemies of God God's friends by reminding them and assuring them that despite the fact that they've sinned against him, he died for those sins. He laid down his life for them so that they might be at peace once again with God, or maybe more appropriately, God would be at peace with them. St. Paul writes, For God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, making peace through his blood shed on the cross, Once we were alienated from God and were enemies, but now he has reconciled us so that we are holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Don't you want to be a part of that kind of parade? A parade where God looks at you and he does not see your sin, but instead of St. Paul says you're holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Miracle of miracles. And yet there's even greater miracles yet to come. 
I mean, there's going to be the raising of our bodies from the grave. And we're going to spend eternity. Eternity? Can anyone fathom that? Eternity in heaven with our Lord. Yes, Jesus bids us to join his parade. It's a parade of confession. It's a parade of celebration. And it's a parade of contribution. You see, the crowds on that first Palm Sunday were more than spectators. They actually participated in the festivities, didn't they? I mean, we're told that the owners of the untamed colt loaned the colt to Jesus. The disciples placed their cloaks on the road. Many waved palm branches and used their voices to to praise Jesus, singing, Hosanna, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And today, as Jesus invites us to participate in his parade, he's also inviting us to contribute to that parade, to participate in that parade. And so how can we do so? Well, we've been doing it this morning, and when we haven't, we've been raising our voices in song, and we've been praising him, and we've been shouting out, Hosanna, Lord, save us, acknowledging that he is our Savior and Lord. But he also sends us out into the world to live as peacemakers. For we who have been forgiven by God can now go out into the world and forgive the people around us. We can be people of peace. We can share all of the possessions that God has given with us with those who are in need. We can devote our time to serving people in our communities in His name. We can invite spectators who are sitting on the sidelines to come. Come and worship the Lord. Come and participate in this parade. And we can go and tell people through our words and our deeds that Jesus is the Savior. We can go to people who are grieving the death of loved ones and we can assure them that in Christ we can live again. Those are just a few ways that Jesus invites us to participate and to contribute to his parade. The parade for the Toronto Blue Jays came to an end. Today, that World Series parade is a distant VHS video memory. But Jesus' parade continues. Year after year, day after day, his parade is not some distant memory. And why? Because, you see, Jesus is more than a superstar or a local hero. He is the Savior. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our King. He is our Shepherd. He is our Prince of Peace. And His parade is in full swing and has been for the last 2,000 years. Friends, if you're not already participants in this parade, then I encourage you to heed Jesus' invitation and join in on those festivities. For you see, Jesus' parade is a parade of confession but it's a parade that is life-changing. Jesus' parade is a celebration, and Jesus' parade provides us with the opportunity to, to get engaged and be involved in it and to invite other people to participate in it. And isn't that what we want? That's certainly what Jesus wants. He wants everyone to join his parade because, you see, Jesus' parade goes on forever. 
So embrace your king. Shout aloud. Shout aloud with the other parade participants who live all across the globe. Shout out and proclaim, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue to worship our King Jesus Christ by collecting our offerings.